Welcome to the Storycraft Cafe. Come in, grab a cup of your favorite beverage, and get ready to join the storytelling conversation. Storycraft Cafe is brought to you by Dabble, the ultimate cloud-based fiction writing software. Here we're going to bring together storytellers from all walks to encourage and empower you to craft your best story. Well, welcome into the Storycraft Cafe. It is now November, and in the writing community, we know November as National Novel Writing Month, or NaNoWriMo. If you are participating this year, and if you're listening to this on the day that we release, on the 3rd, then you're only a couple of days behind. You can go ahead and get started writing your novel in November. If you're writing your novel in November, you can get an extended trial to use Dabble to write your novel. If you're not already a Dabble user, go to dabblewriter.com, sign up for your free trial, go to NaNoWriMo, register your November project, and you can use Dabble for the entire month of November. It's amazing. You're going to love it. Be sure to join us over on our YouTube channel where we're doing some really fun videos right now. We've got a series going of AI tools for writers and how they might can help you. We're also doing a series of videos coming up very soon on the different styles or methods of plotting. That's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll put links in the show notes where you can go over and subscribe for free to our Dabble YouTube channel. Now on to our show. And we are live here in the Storycraft Cafe. I am your host, Hank Garner, as always. Today, I am super excited uh, to have joining us here in the cafe, A.N. Sage or Anessa. Um, super happy to have you on the show, Anessa. Um, she has a brand new book, Killing Grinds. It's the third book in the Orchard Hollow book series coming out in just under a month but it's available for pre-order now. You can go grab that one, and when it's released, it can be delivered directly to your Kindle or the paperback shipped to your house, uh, all of that. But there's plenty in her back catalog for you to work on while you're waiting for this new book to release. Uh, Anessa, thank you for joining me today. Oh, hi. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. I just I'm noticed ex- the uh, writing a cozy mystery on your <laughs> shelf there. Yes. I have that too. <laughs> oh, do you? Yeah. yeah it's it's, I, I just I just got it in the mail the other day and I'm I'm working on a on a series of videos um, uh, about different plot uh, or, you know, plotting styles or different tools to use for plotters and things like that. And, and I've just been collecting uh, books on you know different um I, I, i'm i'm grasping for words they different <laughs> structures um, different approaches to yeah, approaches yeah. i don't know why i couldn't grab that word uh different approaches to plotting and laying out certain types of books so that's what i'm currently working yeah no that's a good one yeah i i'm also a huge plotter so i feel that <laughs> nice um so to get started um i discovered you because i was uh googling or searching on YouTube, something about um, Cozy Mysteries, I guess it was. I'm I'm not exactly sure what it was, but you offered um, something, uh, some sort of tool. um, I'm trying to remember what it was now, but I signed up on your website and I signed up for your 
uh, newsletter. And then a couple of weeks ago, you sent out a newsletter saying that you had just tried Dabble and I work for Dabble. I'm, yeah. you know, I, I work in the marketing and I was like, well, well, how cool is that? Let me reach yeah. out to her and let's bring her on the podcast and have a, a conversation. So anyway, that's how we got to where that's we are. World. I know you probably yeah. um, got the plotting a cozy mystery that I was. Yes. Little template that I did. Yes. Because yes. it, it is a little bit different from all my other plotting resources that I offer on the YouTube channel. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what it was. Uh, but anyway, I'm super happy that we connected and, um, you know, that we, um, you know, have common ground that, that we were able to connect yes. on. <laughs> um, before we get into all the great stuff we're going to talk about, I love to start the conversation with a fun question. And one question I love to ask people is, what is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller? Oh, my gosh. OK, so I have my first memory, but then I also. <laughs> have kind of like a family little tidbit that apparently when I, I was it. two, I wrote my first writing poem. <laughs> it's about a cow. And I guess that started it all. But my own personal one was, um, I guess it was grade eight. And I was really big in um, the goosebumps and all of the ghostly kind of stories. And I wrote my first ghost book. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> I'll never <laughs> see the light of day. <laughs> it was terribly plotted. But <laughs> But it was all handwritten and I wrote the entire book. I think it was almost 200 pages, just <laughs> my little oh, wow. chicken scratches <laughs> about a girl who moves into a haunted mansion and, you know, very uh, Casper retelling probably <laughs> at the time. Love it. But that Love, was, I was know, hooked after that on telling stories. It, everyone has to have that, that trunk novel experience. You know, you oh, write that sure, thing. Yeah. And, that, yeah. like, it, it's embarrassing. I, I, I've never, I, I'm trying to find it. Every time I go through stuff, I try to find it. But, you know, that probably my subconscious is telling me not to. So <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. But yeah, um, I was always big on stories. Like as a kid, I, I remember everybody else would play outside and I would just kind of try to get all the neighborhood kids together and we'd go werewolf hunting and I made everybody carry notebooks. And every time you saw like a scratch on the car, that was the werewolf. And now I think about it. I'm like, oh, my God, what a cultish experience I was giving these children. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that is so funny. Um, do you, now Killing Grinds, we, we mentioned earlier, is the um, the newest book in the Orchard Hollow series. And this is a um a mystery. It is yeah. would you call yourself a mystery author? I know you also uh, dabble in some urban fantasy and things yes. like that. Yeah. Where I would think, you say that you reside primarily? Yeah, I would say every single one of my stories has mystery in it. Um, my author tag tagline is uh, mayhem, mystery, magic. So there's always some kind of mystery. There's um, even all my urban fantasy and all of the YA stuff. There's usually some kind of murder to solve. Um, but the Orchard Hollow series is a paranormal cozy mystery. And it's uh, my first one for adults. So that's something. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, have you have you always been a fan of mysteries? Yes. Yeah. All oh, like m m murder mysteries. Agatha Christie was like my first love. Um, anytime there's some kind of murder mystery on TV show movie, doesn't matter what it is. I have to, to watch it right away. And of course, the paranormal. <laughs> I love it. Um, why do you think? And this is this is not something I intended to to talk about, but um, why do you think cozy mysteries and paranormal are such a frequent pairing 
and why do those two genres seem to work so well together? So I think in general, whenever you have any kind of the mystery element um, and the paranormal, the paranormal is mysterious in itself. So I think the pairing of yeah. the two, these are two things you don't know much about. And while one can be solved, um, the other one always remains almost this constant, like um, foreboding mystery in the background. So I think yeah. once you mix magic or witches or whatever it is that you're writing ghosts, you know, especially ghosts and mystery, um, if you're solving a murder and there's a ghost involved, I mean, <laughs> they go hand in hand. Right. So I think there's like, um, it's an added level of mystery to your mystery <laughs> that I can play with, especially as an author. It gives you a lot to work with. Right. Um, so from, from this young teenager um, who began writing books, um, how did how did that transfer to actually writing your first novel that was published? You know, one one yeah. thing that I love is um, I, I've done over fifteen hundred uh, author interviews, and I could count the people on two hands that writing has been their singular focus. That all they ever did was write and publish books. Most people have sort of a circuitous route, mm -hmm. you know, that, that winds them yes. up at writing. What, what yep. was your experience? Um, it was definitely the, the, the second <laughs> I did not, <laughs> as uh, I'm sure you could tell from my description of that first novel, I did, I did not necessarily publish that. Um, but it took me a while to get there. I've always been a creative, so I did, um, start more in visuals. So I, I do illustrate still, um, but I started in photography and then I became okay. a creative director. So there was some kind of creative element always in my life. Um, and when I was a creative director for a very large company and I had a lot of um, these kids um, that worked basically under me and then reported to me um, and they were doing all these fun and exciting things. And I was just thinking, I'm just over here drowning in paperwork. <laughs> like, <laughs> what happened to that person who told stories, not just by writing, but even visually? Um, and I wanted to get some of that back. Um, and I started reading a lot of young adult at the time. And I re just remember feeling so excited. Like I was back to my old self that, that <laughs> werewolf hunter on the street, um, was back again. It was just very exciting to read these stories. Um, and I started remembering how much I love to write. Uh, and I thought, you know what, maybe I can do this. Let me try it out. Worst case scenario, it becomes another haunted mansion. If you can hear that outside, I'm so sorry. No, no, it's Somebody's fine. It's doing fine. constructions outside. <laughs> Wonderful timing for Halloween. But <laughs> I was thinking that, hey, you know what? Doesn't see the light of day again. That's fine. At least I would have tried it. And it gave me something to do outside of that nine to five office work, which when you're yeah. a creative, that's hard to kind of <laughs> to do every single day. So yeah. I would come home and I would just type away and write. and. I started writing this book and it became my first, uh, the first book of my first series ever published. <laughs> Etherborn. Wow. And, and how long ago was this? Oh, geez. Um, this was probably six, seven years ago, I want to okay. say. So it's, that okay. was the first one published. I did have a nonfiction published before that when uh, I was blogging and doing all of that stuff. But as far as like fiction work, that was about seven years ago that Etherborn gotcha. came out. And it's been a whirlwind since. I was a um, indie published originally. I'm a hybrid author now, so a lot has changed. <laughs> wow, um, I've noticed um, something that that uh, seems to happen in a lot of writers' lives. They they usually 
are creative in more than one yes. form. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've met so many actors uh, or, you know, people that were um, frustrated actors or, uh, you know, screenwriters or directors that then turned to novel writing yes. and for a number of reasons. But there, there does seem to be some overlap. Uh, lots of actors and, and people in the in the visual arts of that way. And then uh, I've known several visual artists um, like yourself that does cover design, layout mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And there's an o- there's an overlap with writing fiction um, and musicians. Oh, my goodness. There's so many yeah. <laughs> you know people that are musically gifted and creative. What do you think it is about one form of expression that tends to feed another form? but maybe not in ways that are evident. Um, like I, I, I use, uh, I'm, I'm fairly musically adept. I, I, <laughs> I can I, see the mic in that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, um, I, I can play a little bit of a, of several different instruments, but there sometimes when I'm creatively blocked or, or, you know, I'm, I'm writing something and it's just not working the way I want, I'll pick up my guitar and just start playing around and, invariably the tangles will untangle themselves yeah. you know um do you, do you notice a, a similar thing like that can you stop working on a story and you know start doing a cover design or something and yes yeah. definitely yeah I, I find if you're as much as i'd love to just sit there and write eight hours a day um yeah. i it would be gibberish <laughs> i don't really go for a very long time um i know a lot of people who work in like 15 30 minutes um and then they take breaks like the Pomodoro yeah. method, I, I think I can write maybe an hour, an hour and a half at the time. And then afterwards, my brain is mush. I have to take a break yeah. um, and work on something completely different. And then when I start writing again, it has to be a different project. So I, I don't even think I'm usually working on two things at a time. So I don't, as far as writing goes. Uh, but in between, yeah, I started illustrating, too. And I started the, um, the Etsy shop for my illustrations, uh, because even between cover design and writing, I needed something else. Um, I do book coaching as well. So there's a lot of diversity in what I do. And there's always um, a different attention because the, the, in the end of the day, it's still a job. And just like with any other job, you do get complacent. Um, yeah. And I find the last thing you want in your story is complacency because then it's just right. empty words, right? Yeah. So if you can walk away, do something else that's exciting you, um, and then you get bored of that and the, right away. The writing becomes exciting again. And so it's a constant um, energy <laughs> upper. Sure. Sure. Um, you, you worked as a creative director at an agency. Mm-hmm. Um, did you start doing book illustration and layout and, and that sort of thing before you started writing or were you writing and then decided it was, oh, I can also um, work in this area. It was kind of a mix of both. So I did start okay. working on um, cover design back when I was with the agency for some clients, um, but that was not anything like what I do now. There was no digital painting or anything like that. It was strictly very much graphic design. Um, and then when I started writing my own books, um, the inspiration came from seeing all these beautiful covers out there and I wanted to replicate it. And I taught myself cover design and how to digitally illustrate, which was not something I did before. Cause I mean, I did photography and painting. I have right. two very different things. Um, two very different things. Very yeah. different things. And so I had to teach myself how to do um, a lot of composite and a lot of digital painting work. And then from there, um, I realized how much I like cutesy things and kawaii. So I started to illustrate. 
<laughs> now it's all there's so many different like if you look um back here it's all it looks all very boring but like the space in front of me is pink and purple and Oh, you like you did a video recently on your YouTube <laughs> channel where you uh, went over. I, I think you released it yesterday. As a matter yes, fact, and where, yeah, it's just and where you went over your writing space and it's, it's so wild. cool. Yeah, I love yeah, your keyboard. By the way, that's oh my god, that keyboard is life. <laughs> yeah, so many right. Lights. Like when the whole thing is let up, I sometimes work at night. I try not to, but when I do, it just I feel like I'm like a gamer that's streaming in a movie. <laughs> I have. Uh, I have a, a nice. A, yeah, it's a it's a mechanical keyboard with oh, and all the keys have different colored LEDs and you can change the LED pattern. And and a lot of times when I'm not doing a show, I'll cut this main light off and it'll be dark in here in my keyboard. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. You need to have that clickety clack if you're yeah, you do. You do. You really do. And it's especially it's, if you're a writer. Yeah, and it's unnecessary. Like it, you can write without that stuff. Oh but, yeah. but why? But why to. would you want to? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> I have um, in front of me. Actually, it's funny you say that, but I have these like old. Oh yeah. Neo smart things, Neo and I, smart, I keep yeah. thinking I want to upgrade to. Um, oh my gosh! Now I can't think of the name. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Um, the, yeah, and that has the e ink screen. Yeah, yeah, the traveler. The, I think it's called. Um, yes. Oh my God, yeah. The name, but I keep I saying that to myself. But this thing works fine for now. <laughs> I, I had the 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 guy that designed that and that did the nice. uh, original Kickstarter. Oh. Um, and we talked all about it. And it it's so cool. Oh um, the free write. Yeah. There we go. Oh my gosh. Yes, free write. Yes. Yeah. Um, wonderful machine. It looks fantastic. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so as someone who does, um, the, the marketing side of writing, the Mm -hmm. cover design layout, um, as well as the writing of the book, do you, do you feel like that those two things disparate as they may seem, um, have sort of informed one another in your life? Do you think that being a writer helps you be a better cover designer? Do you feel like being able to encapsulate the ideas of the book on a cover helps you then as a writer to, to yeah, no, things. Definitely. I know exactly what you're talking about. I think um, it's a, a different storytelling version in right. a way um, where you're still telling a story, but you're, you're trying to tell it visually and then the end of one page. Um, but it, it also, I think it was helpful because now I get to also meet other authors and I get to find out about their stories. And it, right. it, it's helped a lot if, surprisingly with things like writing blurbs or marketing promos because i would get these authors in and in order to design their cover they basically have to summarize their book for me in two paragraphs and to see the different ways that people summarize their own stories has really helped me figure out how to do that for my own books Um, and it sparks inspiration every single time just to to grow as a cover designer in a way i'm also growing as an artist as an author um, because you're always getting some sort of inspiration. I could be working on the cover with somebody else and come up with a completely different story idea for myself based on like an orange that I put in the cover or something. Right, right. <laughs> so so we're uh, recording this on Halloween day, meaning tomorrow is NaNoWriMo kickoff day. Um, are you doing Nano this year? I am, yes, I am. So my publisher actually... Um, has a fun little thing where we all get together and we have like a group and we encourage each other, but I'm also part of a few other Nana groups. So it's a lot of pressure to, to do well. People are watching. 
<laughs> uh, self-inflicted pressure, which is, really which is, is like, weird that we do this to ourselves. It is, but. It's, and November is always a, a wild month. It's, I've got a million birthdays, my own included, and we always go on vacation in, in November. Yep. So I'll be riding on vacation on the beach. My birthday is also in November. Um, my uh, my middle daughter, her birthday was two days ago. But we always have a big kind of, you know, joint party kind of thing. And then Thanksgiving is this month. It's mm-hmm. like the worst month of the year. It, it really is. Yeah. Of course, for Nano. I don't know why they year. wouldn't put Nano in like a, like a June or something. Right. In a month, <laughs> it's too hot to be outside and do anything. And right before outside, December, you know? too. Like all of that. Right. <laughs> right. It's just, yeah. No, yeah. it's a lot. So we'll see how it goes. But I, yeah. I started already kind of working. So I'm ready to hit the ground running starting tomorrow. Nice. So you are um, traditionally published and indie published yes. as well as. Yeah. So um, which which project will you be working on? Will, will this be an indie the, project? It's going to be the OHB for the, the publisher. So it's going to be okay. Orchard Hollow is um, taken over by them. Um, they acquired a lot of my backlist when I signed with okay. them. Um, and so now my newest NG project is something I just started because I do want to stay hybrid. I really like that idea. Um, yeah. Only just for myself, because I, I, there's a lot of pressure when you're working with the publisher. Sure. Um, and I think um, having a different project that I don't want to pass on or force them to take on if they don't want it. It kind of right. gives me that differentiation of projects that they talked about where I can work on one during the morning and one during the afternoon. And that always keeps that excitement for me. But the yeah. nano project is going to be the one for the traditionally, right. which is exciting. I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned uh, hybrid publishing because mm-hmm. um, in the way I see it, over the last 10, 12 years since we had the Kindle revolution and indie publishing really became a thing other than just vanity publishing. You know, that's kind of always yeah. been a thing. But indie publishing in the fact that you could produce a book, you could do, you know, I mean, you could do your own cover design and, you know, blurb making all that. And you could really be a one person business yep. and you could legitimately publish a best-selling novel mm-hmm. on, on your own. And many people uh, do. <laughs> and, and many people do. We, we've had many, many, many successful indie authors on the show before. And I 100% uh, endorse back and encourage people mm-hmm. to do that. But then there's also the traditional publishing machine that's out there. And sometimes for some projects and for some authors, that is fully appropriate mm-hmm. to publish that way. And there are many benefits to that. Yeah. And and I think in, in my personal opinion is that uh, lately, and when I say lately, I'm, I mean, kind of in the grand scheme of publishing the last five to 10 years, we've really seen that, that this is really a time where authors have choice. Mm-hmm. They, they are empowered to choose which scenario is better for them. And maybe even on a book by book basis and not just a, yeah. a yeah. career basis, mm-hmm. but like you're doing that, there are some things that are better for this type of publishing some things for that mm-hmm. and hopefully one feeds the other and and you know by you uh kind of choosing uh both routes yeah. it kind of grows the whole have you noticed mm-hmm. that yeah no definitely i think there's definitely um, a difference in projects there's some projects that you might need um more of a partnership with somebody you'd need more help with um which for me i think where the traditional publishing and working with like a, a 
different publisher actually helps out a lot where it's not just me because um, that can get very daunting. Um, when I first started, I did everything in self-publishing and I made a lot of mistakes, <laughs> which I shared that a lot. Many of us did. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of talk about that a lot because you don't know what you're doing. Um, right. And the reach that you have when you first start out and you're in the publishing until you get to that level where the authors that you talked about who are bestsellers and um, until you get there, your reach is quite small. And it takes a lot of energy, both mentally and physically, to sure. step over that. Um, and that's energy you could be putting into your books. And and so having both for me, it works out because then on the one hand, I can let go and just write. <laughs> And then yeah. still take on projects where I have all the control and I can take my time and there's no pressure. There's no deadlines. I set those myself <laughs> and I can do what I want. Right. I can decide on covers. I can decide on blurbs and where I'm going to put this, how I'm going to price it. You know, so it, it does make sense to have both that way. Gotcha. How many books have you published now? I was on your Amazon page earlier and, and I lost count. I was, oh, I know. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd say 18 and I think Eight. the 19th is coming up now. Um, but 20 if you count the indie project that just started because that's on pre-order as well for January. And, and, and 20 books in what, what did we say earlier? Seven, eight years? About seven years. Yeah, six, seven years. Wow, that is an amazing it accomplishment. Is. I will say that um, when we had the <laughs> COVID um, <laughs> during that year, um, I basically just stayed at home and I think I wrote six or seven books in that year. Oh, wow. <laughs> most of Shadowhurst, um, my series, my young adult urban fantasy, that was mostly written nice. during that time, during the 2020. So <laughs> might as well put the, the time to good use, right? If you're just sitting at home, <laughs> you can't if, if leave. If you're just sitting at home. Might as well create a new world to live yeah, in. Yeah, it's surprising how uh, writing all day doesn't seem quite as daunting. Then. <laughs> right, right. Um, you, we, we mentioned your video earlier where you talked about your Preptober and um, um, let me see, do I still have that open? Um, yeah, you, you did a, a video plotting tips for NaNoWriMo, uh, how to quickly develop a story. Yes. Um, you, and you give some great tips on there on how to, you know, even if you're not a, plotter mm -hmm. um how you can use some of these um some of these ideas to help you develop a roadmap so that you're not just wasting a lot of nanorimo yes, yeah um when i Everything first began nanorimo can be hellish <laughs> yes yes it's, it's a lot of word vomit sometimes. right <laughs> when i i would not call myself um a a traditional plotter um i have i have some friends that are die hard outliners and they go yeah. deep on outlines and and that just kind of scares me a little bit you know right. maybe i have a, a hang up from high school english class or or something i don't know but it just it kind of weirds me out a little bit um i, I kind of like the creative chaos in my brain but um, I'll I'll tell you what, the first time I did NaNoWriMo, which was about 10 years ago, um, I realized that I got to about day 15 to 20 and I was so off base. Yeah. I, I had just written so many words that were unnecessary and didn't yeah. go anywhere and plot threads mm -hmm. that were never going to resolve. That's the worst, because then you have to cuddle those. Like, yes. <laughs> that's yes. painful. Yeah. And you're like, man, I, I saw uh, an interview one time with, uh, uh, what's the guy's name? He wrote the notebook and. Um, oh, yeah. 
I'm drawing a blank now. Anyway, um, he he talked about that he um typically writes and and these are just made up numbers, but I, I don't remember the exact numbers, yeah. but you'll get the point. He writes like a hundred and twenty thousand words, knowing that his final word count will be about ninety thousand. So he's just writing 30,000 words that he doesn't need. And that just scares me to death. Like, why would you write 30,000 words that you're just going to throw away? Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, so how did you come to, have you always uh, thought this way about, you know, the planning stage, your book, the pre-writing, as I like to call it? Um, Or is this something that you kind of came into as you began Um, being a publisher? I'm a very um, organized, (laughs) I have a million planners. Um, yeah. And I, I've always been very organized. Um, notebooks for hunting werewolves as a 10 year old should pretty much give you an example of sure, how far sure. back we go with of this. <laughs> yeah, everything yeah. is uh, strict. Nicholas Sparks, uh, by the way. I just, yeah. I just remember yes, his name. Yes, there I'm we sorry. go. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I, it, I was like, it'll come yeah. <laughs> soon. Um, so I've always um, known that I needed some kind of direction. I don't necessarily always stick to everything that I outline. Um, and I will say that my indie project, it's subscription based, um, it's on Ream. Um, and so there's not as much plotting in there. Um, I'm kind of writing as I go. And as I kind of reach the midpoint, then I plotted out the rest of the book. And I only did that so I can put a pre-order up. So I knew kind of how long it would take me and how many chapters sure. more or less I'm working with. Um, but that was the first time that I didn't plot something. And uh, it was so hard. <laughs> I don't know how... <laughs> People who don't plot know how they do it. I applaud them because I every day I sat down to write and I'm like, okay, well, let's see what it goes. <laughs> this goes and how it's yeah. going to relate to the story later. Um, it just seems like editing must be so much harder when you don't plot. Um, yeah. Whereas for me, I plot, but I also edit as I write. So I, I think I was listening to an interview. I believe it was Patterson who said that uh, before he sits down to write every day, he edits whatever he wrote the day before. Um, and I'm like, you know what? That sounds that sounds good. I'll try it. And it has been so helpful because <laughs> it gets me back into the story, especially when you're working on more than one project. But <clears throat> I, I need to plot. I don't know. And dabble with the plotting too. Honestly, it's <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Well, and, wow. and dabble has the 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 plot grid has really helped yes. me to conceptualize the story without feeling like I'm writing out yes. a, a high school honestly, English outline. It is so great. Just having the different um, added notes that you can have for different right. storylines. It's That's not even the way that I was plotting before, where I kind of plotted by act, by beats, like I would do yeah. like scene by scene almost. Um, but I never thought to break up the different storylines, even when I used to plot like on a big wall at home and not yeah. on paper or on the computer. Um, it's yeah, that tool has been really great. <laughs> it's Absolutely. my favorite part, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Did you, uh, was it difficult to kind of translate the way you were planning to kind of this, this new plot um, grid style planning? Not it, honestly, it wasn't that, um, I think if you're not a plotter, it might be a little bit more difficult. Like if you're not used to even having a layout, yeah. it's a little bit more difficult. But again, I, the reason I liked it so much is that it wasn't so strict that if you didn't plan out before, you could literally just have a couple of scenes and go from there. Like you don't need to go right. <laughs> all out. Um, but I think for me, I think because I was so excited to try something new, um, and to try it before nano that it wasn't that difficult, um, to transition. Um, and now I have 
so many more things to work with, whether I didn't have them before. I find it's easier not to write yourself into a plot hole with this grid. Yeah. Whereas if I was plotting just a straight scene by scene or in a notebook, there would still be holes. And as I'm writing, I would have to go back and, and change some stuff and edit. Yeah. The, the way I uh, look at outlining um, and, and the, the dabble plot grid definitely helps me with this is I like to think of it in terms of like a road trip. And mm-hmm. if you were in Southern California, like Los Angeles, and you were going to take a road trip to New York, somewhere in the Northeast of America, there are a dozen different ways you could go to get there. You know, you could drive along the South. You could go t- directly through the middle of the country. You could yep. go up North and go, um, you know, um, but I like to think of like, tent poles uh, mm-hmm. along the way. These are destinations that I absolutely want to hit. And then yeah. what happens between them? The world's biggest maybe, ball of yarn. <laughs> yeah. 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 Maybe we want to see the world's biggest ball of yarn, yeah. you know, or, you know, the St. Louis arch or, you know, whatever, you know, along the way. Well, that will, d- depending on how I, what kind of waypoints I've laid out may mm-hmm. determine how I get there. Yeah. And that leaves enough kind of chaos and mystery there that, that keeps me excited every day, but I know where that destination is that I have to write toward. Right. And, and the plot grid helps me lay that out and mm-hmm. make sure that I'm shooting toward that yeah. next, you know. And that's category. exactly when I work um, uh, with book coaching and different authors, that's exactly what we try to think about is you want to hit just certain points, like, and just so you know where you're going, if you're not yeah. a plotter and, and that's in the fast way of plotting that I was talking about in the video is like, just figure out where you start where your midpoint is, where you're going to end up. And if you have a twist, what that twist is. Just if you have those points, it's a lot easier to work towards them. And it and it will help you develop the story too. I find as soon as I start plotting, it gives me ideas of um, where the story could go, especially if you're writing mystery. I don't. I know uh, a couple of two authors maybe that write mystery without plotting and I'm amazed by them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that works. <laughs> I think th- for them, it's they're like, if I'm surprised about who the killer is, the reader will be as well. <laughs> I'm like, that's a re- really good way of thinking about it. My brain could never. <laughs> yeah, and to me, you, you're you required to write the book twice because yes. you, you can kind of figure out where you're going, mm-hmm. but then you have to go back and you have to put in your red herrings and and yeah (laughs) yeah and that's just you know just spend a little time Mm -hmm. thinking about it it yeah leave yourself plenty of room to write mysteriously but Mm -hmm. you know there's some things you you need to plan you need to know yeah yeah I, i i usually do plan that out but it's surprising it's been actually interesting in the the last couple of books that i've uh been working with when i get to the point that i plot it of the twist and the killer, um, it, something else comes to me and it's, a, it's, and then I have to rework it a bit because it, it was a shocking twist that even I didn't expect. And so I think that's been helping too. <laughs> it's a, a, both worlds in a way. Wow. Um, you mentioned book coaching um, because you're not busy enough as it is between no, yeah, writing and publishing <laughs> and doing layout and design. You're also coaching. How, how did you get into that? Oh my gosh. Um, I started doing it. I've had a few authors actually that um, were coming from, uh, it was romance, which is strange because I didn't write any romance at all, but several romance authors that wanted to switch over to a different genre. And so um, because I'm writing in the genres that they wanted to switch over to, we kind of started chatting and I helped them with that. And 
how to make the change and guided them through their plotting and books. And, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. They had a friend of a friend <laughs> um, and I got into coaching those friends and then took on some editing. <laughs> And it was just, I don't know, I just love books, I guess. I did. Trying to be in the midst of it all as much as I can. Yeah. If you have someone that approaches you um, that has never written and published before, um, what, what would be a, a piece of beginner advice that you would give them? Um, just forget everything that you might have seen. Um, don't look at your favorite books. Don't look at anything like that. Just put it out of your mind um, and figure out what your story is and what it is you really want to say. And when you do, we usually sit on it because there's always more than one and you have to untangle that story a little bit, especially when you haven't written a book before, because you might be coming into a story based on what you've read. And usually it's what you've read recently because that's what your favorite is right now. That might not be the story that you yourself need to tell. It might not even be a story you're super passionate about. And so we try to kind of come up with as many ideas as possible. It's like an idea hat. Um, and then we go through it and then we figure out like what resides the best with where that person is and what it is they actually want to say with their voice. Because it might not be the story that they think they want to say, because the story that they might have in their minds, they could be just thinking about it because they think it's popular, it's trending, it's what people expect them to write, it's what their friends are writing, right? And so that's not necessarily good for anybody. Um, so I think just forgetting about everything that you might know about publishing, about books, about writing, um, just until you figure out who it is that you are as an author or who you want to be, because that will change. <laughs> gotcha. And as an author yourself, when you begin uh, a new book or a, a, a new first book, in a series mm -hmm. you've never written anything uh involving these characters plots or whatever uh settings before what's the first thing that comes to you is it a, a character that you're intrigued by is it a, a plot point that you just can't wait to mm -hmm. drop some characters into and see how they react is it a setting what what is that usually that first thing that sparks the new world off for you so it's uh, surprisingly been different for every single, not book, but for every single series. With Shadowhurst, the first thing I saw was Shadowhurst, driving into Shadowhurst, this little town that has a lot of secrets hidden beneath it. That's not as boring as it seems, and it's quite the opposite. Um, only after that did I see Billy and the, the witch that was cast out um, and all the different entanglements that she could get into. With Orchard Hollow, I saw the ghost and I saw a raccoon. <laughs> That's not even, they're not even the main characters, <laughs> the sidekicks. Uh, but that, I saw the two of them interacting and having this little argument. And I just pictured it in my head. And it was the funniest thing I think I, I could think of at the time. And I, and I thought I need to write these characters into a book. Um, and because there's a ghost, I knew there had to be a body that gets discovered. <laughs> right. And from there, Orchard Hollow kind of grew. Um, Etherborn, which was my first series. I think I saw the character first, but I saw the main character first. So it's been different for, for every, every single one. Something just kind of clicks. <laughs> oh, I love that because, um, so many people get hung up, especially people that, uh, are not yet writers. Uh, they get so hung up on where writers get their ideas from and 
to me, ideas are, I mean, ideas are everywhere. Oh my They're God. just How swimming around everywhere. Lists you know? do authors usually have of different ideas for future books? Like a million. Exactly. Yeah. That, that ideas are not the problem. It's no, yeah. what you do with that idea. Mm -hmm. and, and, and if that is idea is worth pursuing at that time. Exactly. Is it worth pursuing? Yeah. yeah. Which is hard. Absolutely. Like I know for um, the Gilded Queens, I didn't think. I didn't think of a character. I didn't think of a setting. The only thing that I remember going in my head very quickly, and this was just me chatting with my husband, was um, just the, the tagline, which is every century four queens must die. And I just I thought of that. And I'm like, there's a story right. here. I know there's a story here. And I think right. it's going to be some kind of epic fantasy. And that's all I knew. <laughs> and from there, the Gilded Queens were born. And now we're, you know, pre-ordering book one. So <laughs> love it. Love it. If if people are just discovering you uh, and want to dig into your writing, where would you tell them to begin? Um, so book wise, I think hmm, it's a hard one. It depends because they're so different, right? I have the the cozies and the the yeah. YA. If they're going YA, then start with Witch of Shadows, um, which is the first of the Shadowhurst. It's eight books plus a novella, so it'll, it'll take them a while to get through that. Yeah. Um, if you're more into like a lighthearted mystery that has a lot of comedy in it, then start with A Grave Roar, which is the first of Orchard Hollow. Um, so it's, there's, I would say these two are the the most recent <laughs> that you yeah. should get into. Um, if you are looking to support a completely different project, then Gilded Queens is your friend. So. Love it. You, you have a lot going on. Um, your website is a great resource for all sorts of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. if, if what, what is your, uh, URL where people can, yeah, it's ansage.ca. Okay. But somebody ansage. has a .com. How dare they? You how dare they? How dare they? Yeah, um, I think I, I looked into it and it was like almost six figures to buy it back. And I'm like, well, that's... yep, the, the dot .ca is perfect. .ca is great. I am in Canada. Right, so. right, right. Well, we will link up uh, all those uh, in the show notes to make it easy for folks to find you. Uh, Anessa, this has been so much fun chatting. Thank you so much you for too. taking time to come on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. <laughs> and thank you We're... for Davo because I love it. If uh, we'll we'll link up the new book and uh, and where they can find your whole back catalog and all Amazing. that in the show notes to make it easy for folks to find. Perfect. You. Thank you, Anessa. Stay magical, everyone. That's our episode for today. There's so much more to come as we talk to authors about the craft of writing, but also the business of publishing. Be sure to subscribe to the Storycraft Cafe podcast in your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. The Storycraft Cafe is made possible by Dabble. Writing a book is challenging. Your writing tool should not be. Dabble is an easy-to-use online writing tool packed with helpful features that allow beginning novelists and published authors to create amazing stories. Visit us at DabbleWriter.com and start your free trial today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>